Oh my goodness, I made it just barely by my uh, chinny chin chin this morning to our devotion. Uh, welcome to our Tuesday morning devotion here at the Christ Hold Fast page. Uh, thanks to all of you who tune in and join us uh, throughout the week as we try to bring God's Word to you and uh, try to explain it in a way that hopefully is understandable and helpful and applicable to your life as I think all of the Word of God actually is applicable to your life. Uh, it has been a rough few days for me. I threw out my back the other day, and I don't know how many of you uh, watching this have ever struggled with back problems, but man, when you throw out your back, it's just, you just can't do anything. I mean, it's the most debilitating thing ever. Uh, so yesterday, I was literally laying down, <clears throat> excuse me, for most of the day, um, studying and writing sermons, but not able to really move, uh, thankfully. Uh, today, I'm feeling better. I'm still crooked. Um, and so if you see me suddenly uh, wince, it's because I moved in a way that my back didn't like. But uh, hopefully that won't be the case. I'm hoping by the end of today or maybe tomorrow, I'll be back in normal shape because um, I actually have to fly out on Thursday to officiate my goddaughter's wedding in the land of In-N-Out, otherwise known as California. So I need to be straight for that. But Anyhow, folks, um, we are continuing our series in the I Am Statements of Jesus. Uh, today we're looking at possibly what might be the most offensive I Am Statement of Jesus, at least in the Western world today, and that is his statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, I mean... This is just to make any sort of exclusive claim, people immediately object, like, how can you possibly say with all the different religions out there, with all the different worldviews out there, that Jesus is the only way? I mean, doesn't that just seem a little too uh, narrow-minded? And uh, by the way, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of other religions that claim that they're the way, so how is it that you can be so certain that Jesus really is the way? And you know what? I get it. I get the objection because, um, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said I haven't had that question myself from time to time um, in my own life. I mean, most Christians are utterly aware of how this comes off. And just to stay comfortable in conversations with our friends of numerous worldviews, um, we know it would be easier on us if we just dropped the claim. It would be easier to get along if we just said, yeah, Jesus is the path that I've chosen, but you can choose your path and all will be fine. But, of course, that option is not given to us as Christians. That's, uh, it's just clear in, in the Word that Jesus does make this claim, and as faithful Christians, we ought to make the claim as well. So, so what I want to do today is I'd, I'd like to try and run through at least the, the logic of the position and uh, uh, the logic of how we sort of answer this question as to why it is Jesus is the only way, okay? So first of all, um, the logic of the position, if you know, you're talking to somebody who's skeptical of the claim, I'm not necessarily trying to do an apologetic here. I'm just trying to show how Christians get there, how we get there. So first of all, uh, the logic is based on the idea that we believe Jesus is God. That is what Christians believe. That is what Christians have believed from the very beginning. And why do we believe that? Well, because the Bible has him claiming in numerous places to be divine. Uh, of course, we're going over 
uh, a bunch of those uh, claims in this gospel. We've looked at John 6.35 and John 8.12 and John 10.7 and John 10.11 and John 11.25 and today John 14.6 and there's still more, John 15.1. And so in each of these passages, Jesus refers to himself by the divine name of God, I am. He makes this claim. And to go along with this, the apostles of Jesus make this claim as well in their letters in numerous places. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And I could go on with the passage, but you see the point. Or listen to Colossians 1 and 2, Colossians 1, 15. Speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 2, 9. For in Christ, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. So this claim immediately differentiates Christianity from all other religious views. In other religions, there is someone claiming to be a prophet or an enlightened person that is pointing to ultimate spiritual reality. But in Christianity, Jesus and the writers of the New Testament point directly to him he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. Whatever I do, it is exactly as the Father would do. These claims were so abundant that even the earliest heresies of the Christian church always actually affirmed the divinity of Jesus. The problem they had is they denied that he was really human. If you want to know how strong this view was, it was just sort of... Uh, undebatable in the first centuries of the church. Of course, it eventually did become debated uh, with the Arians, but that's another topic for another time. So, uh, first of all, we've established the Bible teaches Jesus is God. That's at least the biblical claim in the New Testament. But that still doesn't establish that, I mean, he's the only way. And that leads to my next point. Uh, Jesus indeed, indeed said he was the only way. Again, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through, but th except through me. It's about as clear as it gets. Jesus claims to be God and therefore claims that faith in him is the way, definite article, to be made right with God. The apostles reiterate that claim in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, where they say, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So far then, the logic for Christians saying that Jesus is the only way is, number one, based on the idea that the Bible reports true sayings of Jesus. So that is, we're taking that for granted right now. I mean, we can do a whole other session on why the Bible is a trustworthy uh, document, historically verifiable, etc. We're not doing that today, but we're taking that for granted initially that the Bible reports true things. Number two, in the Bible, Jesus claims to be God, which means he has all knowledge of the universe he made. And number three, as God, Jesus claims faith in him is the only way for people to be saved or in right relationship with this God. So that's where we're at so far. Maybe for some of you, alarm bells are going off. You might be thinking, again, this is too exclusive. But if you do think that, just keep in mind Every religion, every philosophy, every political view about life, every system makes exclusive claims inherently. 
Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and every other ism claims a different idea about ultimate reality that they insist is really true, or else they wouldn't hold to it. On the other hand, you might say, uh, no religion or philosophy, uh, philosophy can have the truth. Rather, all of them have some of the truth. It's like the old illustration of the, the blind man and the elephant. A few blind men come up uh, upon an elephant, and each one grabs a different part of the elephant, proclaiming something different about this creature. And so one blind man grabs the trunk and says, this animal is a snake. And another grabs a leg and says, this is like a tree, and so on. The problem with that view, though, is it assumes that you or somebody has the sight to be able to tell us all what's really true about the elephant. How could you possibly know that no religion can see the whole truth unless you yourself have the superior comprehensive knowledge of spirituality that you just claim no one can have? So the illustration ultimately defeats itself. But still, just because Jesus made claims of being divine, and therefore the true way, what reasons are we given for actually believing his claim holds weight? Well, that leads to the next point. And that is, Jesus validated his claims to being the only way through numerous signs. There's the sign of his teaching. Numerous places throughout the Gospels were told that people were astonished at his word, as much as the Pharisees and others sought to trap him, they, they really never could. He would outsmart them. One listens to his word, and at first it seems so unnatural, even scandalously contrary to us, especially as we look at things like the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek are blessed. I mean, this doesn't seem to make sense. Blessed are the losers, and those who pick up their cross will be blessed. It all seems so contrary. It does. But then we consider that in our lives, as we actually live them, even if we don't wish them to be this way, it is truly only those who can admit their need for help that can get well. Consider the success of programs like Alcoholics Anonymous and Celebrate Recovery. What's the prerequisite for entry? Admitting that you are an alcoholic or addict and that you cannot help yourself. Only then can the light of grace begin to shine in and transform. Consider Jesus' parables. I mean, are there any illustrations that touch man's reality more than, say, the prodigal son or the, the good Samaritan? I mean, these, these are more than stories in the collective imagination. These things have influence beyond, uh, and so much influence in the way we see God, so much influence in the way we see our neighbor. They are, they are long-lasting stories. So we see the words power. Jesus speaks and things happen. Storms stop. People hear him and go away new. He predicts certain things to come to pass, like, like the destruction of the temple in AD 70, and they do come to pass. There's also, of course, the sign of his works. And what I mean here is a couple things. Uh, first of all, obviously, we can talk about his, his miracles. If Jesus is known for anything, even outside of the biblical record, we can go to places like the... Um, Oh, um, the early rabbinical writings uh, from around that time, and they will even say that he was a sorcerer because it was clear that he was doing things that seemed to be supernatural. Why did he do that? Well, to vindicate his teachings, Jesus would heal the sick, resuscitate the dead, feed multitudes, give the blind sight, walk on water, etc., etc. 
But there is, there's another aspect, and that, that is also, and I think this is maybe more important for at least our salvation, and, and that is the perfection of his works. In one part in Matthew's Gospel, again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that he's come to fulfill God's law. Or in other words, he's come to live the perfect life. When his interlocutors would question him, he says things like, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? He constantly challenges them, saying, prove that I've ever done anything wrong. The fact is, if Jesus had even sinned one time in thought, word, or deed, he would not qualify to be our Savior. But thanks be to God, we read in the book of Hebrews, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. First Peter 2 confirms the same thing, saying simply he committed no sin. And then, of course, there's also the hugely significant, most significant sign of his death and resurrection. The reality is, if it, if it is true that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he actually did rise from the dead, which there's all sorts of great evidence to support that claim, then we're sort of forced into a corner. We're sort of forced to believe that he's the only way because he's the only one to atone for the sins of mankind, and he's the only one to come back from death himself. And finally, don't overlook this, there is the, on pact, or the, there is the ongoing impact throughout history of Jesus. I mean, it's just the fact that this man, there was something, something, there had to be something very, very distinct about him because he continues to be the most powerful figure on planet Earth. He's the most influential figure on planet Earth today and is worshipped by the most people of all other religions and worldviews in the world today. I remember a while back I was at a, a local, uh, well, I was at the Mockingbird Conference, which for me was mo local. I literally live, my apartment is right next door to where they, they hold the event every year. And this particular year, they had a guest speaker named Nicole Cliff, who was a, a Harvard grad and She's a co-editor of a website, a popular website for a while called The Toast. And a few years ago after, uh, she says, living her life as a, quote, happy atheist, she suddenly came out and declared that she'd become a Christian. And in her, in her touching testimony, she said during an illness that her daughter was facing that she found herself saying one day, just sort of out of the blue, to what then she thought was just thin air, be with me. That was odd and embarrassing, but she moved on. Nevertheless, through a series of circumstances, she found herself drawn to wanting to read more about Jesus. And she says as she was reading more about Jesus, she found herself crying all the time about it. I'll let her describe the rest in her own words. Quote, at this point, I reached a crossroads. I sat myself down and said, Okay, Nicole, you have two choices. Option one, you can stop reading books about Jesus. Option two, you could think with greater intention about why you were overwhelmed by your emotions. It occurred to me that if option two proved fruitless, I could always return to option one. So I emailed a friend who was a Christian and I asked if we could talk about Jesus. I instantly regretted sending that email and if humanly possible, would have clawed it back through the internet. 
<laughs> Technology having failed me, my message reached its recipient. She said she would be very happy to talk to me about Jesus. You probably already know this, but Christians love talking about Jesus. I spent the few days before our call feeling like an idiot, wondering what on earth I planned to ask her. Do you like Jesus? What was Jesus' deal? Why did he ice that fig tree? And now we, this is her word still, and now we reach the part of the story that gets a bit hand wavy. About an hour before our call, I knew. I believed in God. Worse, I was a Christian. It was so opposite of being punk rock. I don't know about that last statement. I think it's, I think there's, you can be a, you can be Christian and be pretty punk rock, but that's a, that's a story for another time. But the way Nicole described her conversion to Jesus as the way to God was she said, I literally just kind of found myself believing. And maybe that is the case for some of you. That was the way it was for me when I became a Christian as a teenager. I just remember finding myself suddenly saying, yes, this, yes, this makes sense. Yes, I believe the evidence is good for Jesus rising from the dead. And if he did, well, then I, I guess he's God then. I guess he's my Lord then. And that means I'm, I'm going to walk in a different way now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a different way now. Didn't, didn't mean I became uh, the, the greatest saint in the world overnight, but I was just keenly aware that I was no longer Lord over my life, that Jesus indeed was Lord and Savior over my life. And so that is sort of, that is in conclusion, the logic of how we make the case for why we can say Jesus is the only way. And if you have Jesus, you have forgiveness, you have hope, you have eternal life, and you're on the way home even as we speak. So that is it, folks. I hope this has been helpful to you and encouraging. I hope you have just a great uh, rest of the week, and I look forward to seeing you next Tuesday. God bless.